Recorded during the plague year 2020, this is the Andromeda Minute. Each week we get together to talk about the all-too-timely 1971 Robert Wise-directed techno-thriller The Andromeda Strain. One minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. I'm Chris Epting, author and uh, pop culture traveler and TV host. And bon vivant. Uh, <laughs> And this is, gosh, this movie just gets grimmer and grimmer. We're, uh, we're starting with uh, the fellow that had his uh, eye pecked out by a vulture. And uh, we get all the way to another man who's uh, dead in the parking lot. And uh, there's not a lot of dead people in between. So quite a, it's, it, the, the bodies are starting to stack up in, uh, in this film. They are, but some of the shots, I mean, looking, you know, this shot right at the head of this clip where we're looking up at the helicopter overhead between these two guys. And again, the composition is so offbeat and interesting, and it almost, you know, creates kind of a weirdness within what's already a pretty weird scenario. You know, just the the choice of shots, I think, is is really interesting. There feels something, uh, there's something strange about the composition that I really like. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's very unbalanced. Uh, it almost, it has almost a. I, I, I try to find some other way of saying this, but the uh, an Edward Hopper quality to it. It's yeah, very... no, that's a good call. That, that's that's a really good call. It, there, there is something, some incongruity, and just again, you feel like the space is not being used the way it's normally used. Yeah, and the the color palette is very uh, very stark. It's you know it's all it's pastel. It's a pastel blue. Yeah, it's it's right right. It's everything is dialed down. There's it's grim. Everything is just um, has this tone of threat, you know, and quiet threat. It's you just don't know, you don't know what we're gonna see. I also like the shifting of their point of view. You know, the back and forth is sort of nice too, and creates sort of a nice methodical rhythm to all of this. Yeah, and there's no there's no wipes or dissolves. It's all very stark. You know, every time they every t- very severe, very very cutty. You know, it's weird. You're looking at this this litany of bodies on the ground. You know, we're seeing dead children, which is which is you know you don't see a lot of that um, back then. You know, in films, I think that's the starkness. Nothing was spared. You see the the kid and his dog. You see the two kids with the basketball. You know, the ball, also the, how the ball is sort of gently moving, I'm assuming because of the helicopter rotors uh, yeah. moving it, which is interesting. So you get these, again, little incongruous things. The shadow play is really severe and, and, and very interesting, the way the bodies are all casting these these shadows. So it's, yeah, there's, it's, there's something very haunting about it. Yeah, I agree. And like, you know, things like the basketball moving with the people, you know, the kid isn't and, and the, the fellow in the barber shop or seeing the barber pole is still out. You know, life has gone on without them. And it just it keeps underlying how dead these people are. Yeah, exactly. Um, Stopped in their tracks. That's the other thing, too, is it's one thing to read about Crichton's book. But when you see that these people literally were just struck down instantly, whether they're climbing the stairs or, you know, there's that um, really remarkable shot. It's just at 22 seconds in where the man he's carrying, the, the post office, the, the mailman, and you can see what looks like a dagger. It's like a rolled up paper sticking out of his head, um, yeah. which is just such a strange, you know, strangely composed shot. I mean, it looks way worse than it is. It almost looks like it's a weapon. And we see, again, what he was carrying is next to him. So, yeah, everything just happened, obviously, in a second. And it's it's, it's beautifully portrayed. Yeah, I, I and I keep thinking this is, you know, it's 1971. So this these dead bodies all over the place, this is not much different from what we were seeing at the time on the evening news or in Life magazine from Vietnam. And, you know, all these very stark images of, of women and children being, you know, mown down and stuff. 
and it, it, and you know also underlined by the presence of a Huey up in the air. Uh, I'm sure this is you know we're looking back on on this from 50 years away, but still those those images from the Vietnam era are are very strong here. And you see, I love it at 26, the woman who's fallen, and it's her bag of groceries. And you know there when you freeze it, you see the classic Coca-Cola bottles. It's like those are our groceries as kids. You know, yeah. there's the cake flour, there's the loaf of bread to the left, just sort of your basic grocery run for staples, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and she's, you know, she's gone. And all these people were just, they dropped in their tracks on, on what would have been an, an average day, all because of something that happened. Um, yeah, and I love the shot there, too, because you can see that the, the, the street, like where the car is, it's not paved, you know. So this yeah. is really... This is a small town. This is a desert community, middle of nowhere, where they're not, it's not a modern society. The road isn't even paved. Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, these people are just barely getting by. They're, you know, their existence is, is, it's life on the edge. And it's like, it's a frontier town, basically. Um, And, uh, you know, there's, there's multilingual signs. There's people, the, the news, the newspaper that the postman's carrying is in Spanish. There's, uh, we're seeing a, uh, uh, at, uh, Second twenty-eight, we're seeing that uh, Jose Rivera is a contador publico, so I, that's a notary, I believe. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I mean, these are, it is, it's everything that you'd see in a western, except just this. This happens to be the middle of the twentieth century. You know what I really like? Right at twenty-eight seconds, that wide shot there under the uh, the awning of the building. If you look off on the mountain, you see the P that's painted. Yeah. And what's interesting there is, you know, there, I know the fictional town of, of, of Piedmont, New Mexico is where they're supposed to be. They're not there. They're in Shafter, Texas. So I guess they went ahead and, and, and took it that far to put that P on the mountain to make it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be. I, I don't I don't know the background on that P on the mountain. But it's, I mean, uh, it would make I mean, it would make yeah. sense as a detail that if they say they're in Piedmont, that they would go ahead. And we've all any of us road trippers, we've seen those painted initials in, in yeah. dozens of places, you know, small towns all around the country. And I, when I, that, that jumped out at me and I thought, wow, were they, were they that dialed into detail? I mean, why would there be a P on that hill, you know, in, uh, in Shafter? So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I know. It's, it's beautiful. And it's just so, it feels, it feels real. And it doesn't, like, like we've been talking about in the, in the previous episode, it doesn't feel like a movie set. This feels like you're in a town and I, I don't think they had to redecorate it that much. Uh, you're, you're, oh no, you're not missed. at all. It's a it's a ghost town. Yeah, they, they yeah. think there were like sixty people living there when they shot this. Wow. And then we get to that great. Uh, I, I always like seeing you know how things were priced. You know what a gallon of gas was fifty <laughs> yeah. years ago, and you get to the uh, the supermarket here, the little the market in town, and you can see you know tea, special T bone steak, dollar seventy nine. Uh, wow. You know, although the yeah. apples, the the apples look kind of expensive. Five pounds of apples for four dollars. Does that seem kind of high for 50? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how far they are for an apple from an apple tree, though. <laughs> be, that could be. Although pork chops at 95 cents a pound. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And two pounds of uh, bananas for 25 cents. That's not too bad either. So great chocolate yeah. milk there off on the right. Yeah. I mean, I can remember at this time uh, when in 1971, I used to. I used to ride my bike to uh, a, a corner store to pick up milk for my mom, and uh, I could get a gallon of milk for ninety-nine cents. There was no tax on food in New Jersey, and uh, I'd pick up a gallon. They were four, four one quart. Those paper, uh, similar to the uh, chocolate milk that you see on on the sign there. They were four uh, cardboard, waxed cardboard uh, uh, containers, 
and it was 99 cents and i could keep the penny and get a get a penny gumball oh, that's and, great. Uh, that was, that was great. <laughs> it's it's uh, that was a long time ago kids but it was it was that was the way it was and uh you know it feels I guess now this must look dated to younger audiences. Especially but what's interesting, parts. though, when you look at that shot again at about 34 in, 34 seconds in, you get a great sense of the detail of the uh, the uniform, you know, what they're wearing and the suits that they have on. And those are kind of interesting and, and very simple, but I think those kind of hold up. I mean, they're very basic, yeah. you know, design, but it's like you don't need much more than that. I mean, they look like kind of a hazmat suit, I guess. But I don't think those look dated. Like some sci-fi, you know, falls apart after thirty, forty years. I think those look, look pretty clean and modern today. Yeah, they don't. They don't look that much different from a, a mop suit that they wear in biological warfare, warfare things. And yeah, it, it feels it feels reasonable. Um, I uh, I've been watching uh, lately. I've been I have I, I missed this apparently. And there's a there's a great show on Hulu called The Last Ship. And it's about a, a worldwide epidemic, and they use a lot of uh, decontamination procedure, you know, pro- uh, products, and they're they're going into hot zones and things. And the suits that they're wearing in there, which are supposedly um, very realistic for the modern Navy, don't look that much different from this uh, th- this uh, show here. You know, when you see the guy that you mentioned, the barber pole still operating the way certain other machines and inanimate objects are. But again, those shadows, once again, the guy in the barber chair who's, who's reclined and dead, of course, you know, you see the shadow of, of the headrest on the chair next to him. You see his shadow on the wall. I think the shadows really play a part in these uh, in these beautifully composed scenes. Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to decide if Robert Wise meant this or the actor just couldn't hold still. But if you uh, if you scrub back and forth when we get the reverse angle on the fellow that's uh, dead in the barber chair, his mouth moves up and down just a little bit. And I was just wondering... If that was at the direction of Robert Wise to move and give give a certain eeriness to it, uh, yeah, I see that. I see that, and it's almost like part of me thinks it's almost like reacting to it's like it's like a little earthquake or something. But you're right; he he is moving for some reason. Yeah, it just I and watching it at normal speed, you probably don't notice it unless you're scrubbing um, or watching a movie like we're watching a movie. Um, but again, these these vignettes of different things happening, we're seeing, you know, uh, Hall and Stone looking in on who's dead now. And this guy's dead and this guy's dead and that woman's dead. And uh, it it keeps stacking it up in your mind like, wow, something really bad happened. And uh, it's it it's just mystery on top of mystery. Yeah. And that his eyes are open, that victim's eyes are wide open. I think that's always extra creepy. Yeah, when you see yeah. that, and uh, and yeah, they're just taking it all in here. Yeah, and uh, I'm watching uh, as uh, Hall notes something that will will come up in a later minute, but he notes uh, that that spot in the sky, which is yet yet another mystery. So there's there's all kinds of things just stacking up here. That to me is really compelling, and it's you know it's one of those things where you know bl- blink and you miss it. Um, you know, I imagine in the theater as well. It's important. You kind of have to see that. But it's it, it's so quick, and it's one. I don't know if it's the, the film quality, but do you see one right before it? Yeah, I think it's just the multiple like multiple little flashes, and then you see another one when he when he moves away. Because it almost looks like a little imperfection, but then you realize no, that's a thing. I mean, they they want you to pay attention to these little flashes in the sky because then there's like three or four of them together. Yeah, and, and they 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 spent you know they spent an entire edit there showing you him reacting to it, so you're right, you're right. supposed to under the language uh, uh, face it. Um, but yeah, it it gives you it gives you an idea that 
so many things are happening and there's so much there's so much for them to absorb and try to figure out what's important what's not important or what has to do with this show versus uh it's so weird when i see this i'm a big alfred hitchcock fan and some of the iconography like that church to me looks like something out of vertigo in the back there you know yeah yeah that which was at san juan batista in northern california but again this has that kind of again very foreboding uh very you don't know what's going to happen but the, the air the threat is in the air everywhere you know yeah, and, and the whole, the scariness is that how normal everything else is. I mean, you've got all those Coca-Cola signs on the side of the grocery store, which kind of is a symbol of normal American life or, or even normal world-like life. You know, the daily, everyone in the world drinks Coca-Cola. So this is just an average place and an average day, yet they're all dead. So it's just that the terror is so fast and it, it, it kind of wells up in your way you're watching this. What's your take on, if you look at, let's say, 51 seconds in, that yellow orb between the two guys in the background. Um, I don't know if that's like a uh, if that was like a sign that fell over or a. Uh, it looks like the bottom of something to me. Strange, yeah. I guess it could be, but when you when we really when you when you deconstruct like this, those things jump out at you more than they would normally. Yeah, it's it's very peculiar. I'm just I'm I'm assuming that it's something connected with either maybe it was a, a highway pylon that fell over or some kind you know it, it's but yeah again and as you're looking through all these things it's like what's that what's that what's that and um you know stone is it, it's funny how we switch the uh, organizing sensibility previously dr hall was our organizing sensibility because he's the he's the new guy he's the medical doctor that is asking all the questions like why you know what where are we going what you know, i don't i don't believe in your in your uh uh, science project here but uh but now uh stone is the one that's our organizing sensibility asking the questions and uh saying you know is this a is this a coronary is this you know he's he's apparently not a medical doctor and uh and dr hall is very you know he's a surgeon and he's very much involved in his patients so uh you know stone doesn't have much to draw from on the medical side um i don't think we get we don't really get a clear he's he's i think an astrophysicist but also involved in the study of exobiology but not to an extent like a medical study he's more like the biochemical processes or what could possibly be life but he's not a detail guy and hall is definitely a detail guy well again beautiful i mean this this minute illustrates the beauty of the cinematography each frame um tells its own little story and gives us you know, all kinds of things to pay attention to, some more subtle than others. Yeah, and it, uh, another big thing about the cinematographer here, Richard Klein, who uh, he did a lot of uh, a lot of movies, but most of his background is in TV. So this kind of has, even though he's got, you know, he knows how to use the wide screen, but I feel like it almost has a TV editing quality. He keeps throwing things one after another after another. It's not as, um, for lack of a better term, it's not as cinematic in in the uh the overlay of the different like the scenes don't quite match up which i think was what he was trying what he was trying to achieve he wasn't he was trying to get it to feel a little bit less like a robert wise movie it wasn't it wasn't um you know uh the way that uh, sound of music was was done this is very harsh harsh uh, you know harsh 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 scenes that didn't match each other right right so. and again that whole this whole whitewashed look of the place really adds to the you know you you feel how it's bone dry you see these dusty unpaved roads it really is it's a border town you know in a very unsophisticated border town 
Yeah. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna get into more of a, a '70s look in the in the next minute. So, well, so we'll we'll talk a little bit more about uh, how how the editing and the and the cinematography work together on on Friday. Uh, for folks who'd like to talk about this particular minute or any previous minute, we're always available on the social media at Facebook on uh, Wild, uh, Project Wildfire or on Twitter at, of course, Andromeda Minute. If you missed any of our previous uh, shows, they're always available andromedaminute.com. Uh, find them out there. Chris, where can people find uh, your works? Well, if they go to amazon.com and look up Chris Epting, they'll find all kinds of books about pop culture and travel and music and baseball and all that sort of stuff. And then um, I have a website, which is simply chrisepting.com, and there's a lot of fun stuff on there as well if you like these sorts of adventures. I, I I mean this in the nicest way, but you have perfect bathroom reading. That's all I can say. It's, You're not the first to have commented on that. And you know what? That's fine. We all have to find our niche in life, right? So <laughs> yeah. no, well, I'm it, happy it, you it, have something. <laughs> it's it's per it's perfect anywhere. I have had uh, I have had your books on a on a Kindle, uh, in uh, waiting for an airplane that got canceled, and I think I. I almost missed my plane because I kept I kept reading and I wasn't paying attention. Oh, that's cool, man, Jim. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> wow, but yes, check that out, chrisepting.com, uh, and or on on Amazon. Uh, anyway, we will be back here on Friday to finish up the week as we get more dead bodies and all kinds of stuff and, and a bit of uh, yeah, yeah, you know, the thrills never end here. <laughs> uh, but we, uh, in the meantime, please wash your hands and maintain a safe social distance, and we'll all get through this well. Uh, we will see you here next time uh, as we end out the week on the Andromeda Minute. Yes, we shall. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here. <laughs>